Hey gang, it is good to be with y'all this morning, and uh, this Sunday concludes really um, a three-Sunday connected process where I'm in all three services for three Sundays just to, to get to know folks, a little FaceTime, and then Anthony and John and I'll be switching out. But it is great to be in, in CLC today and and I want us to read the scripture today, and it's Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And you'll see on the screen we have that, and, and I want to read part of it, and then I want you to, to join in with me, okay? Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I want you to read this part with me. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And then reading from Proverbs, the 28th, uh, 28th chapter, verse 19, I want you to read this with me too. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. Let's pray together. Lord, in these moments, refresh us. Renew us. Restore in us your vision. Help us to really tune in as, as we've worshiped together, as we've praised you, as, as we've communed together. We believe that that Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that you poured out at Pentecost is right here, right now. And so, your, Lord, use this, this time that we might faithfully follow after you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Well, how is your vision? Well, I haven't gotten to the point where I have to get eyeglasses, but I'm getting closer. I use those cheater readers. Anybody use cheater readers? Oh, yeah. For the fine print. It helps me from overdosing on drugs. You know, it's like, okay, take two. I want to make sure I read that right. And so I have some eyeglasses that are helpful. But what I have found is some of us live in denial. And what I found, too, is when it comes to wellness, when it comes to health, vision is one of the first things we neglect. And so how's your vision? Um. Uh, Vision is an important concept spiritually. And so I want to ask you this question. 
what is your vision? What is the vision that God has given you for your life? What is the vision God has given us as a church? Those are two huge questions, but I want us to take a look at a definition for vision. Vision is this. Vision is a preferred future. It's a destination. Vision is the capacity to see the possibilities of God for our lives. Andy Stanley says this, it's a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. Let me say that again. It is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction, the passion of what should be. Martin Luther King helped us with that back in 1963 in a very powerful and animated way. He laid out before us a vision during the civil rights movement. And you'll remember that famous speech, I have a dream. And in a wonderful way, he gave us a dream to look to, a vision. And I love that one line that comes out of that message. I have a dream that children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And so he paints for us a dream, a dream that has not been completely fulfilled. We've moved on that dream, but he held that vision out in front of us. A fellow was uh, boarding a ship. He was a naval cadet, and he loved the ocean. And his parents were seeing him off, and he was boarding this ship. And as he was boarding the ship, there were tears because the mother and father knew he had just graduated from the Naval Academy, and he was now headed out for long missions at a time. And on their way home, after he embarked on his mission, they thought, what in the world? Where did he ever get that desire to, to be an, a navalman? And the mother one day was cleaning and dusting his empty room, and, and she was walking around, and she headed out of the room, and there affixed to the wall in the hallway, right outside the door of his room, was a watercolored painting of where the ocean met the shore. A beautiful seashore scene. And she said, honey, come up. You got to see this. He comes rushing up and he's like, what? She said, look, this is it. Every day he would walk out of his room, he would see this portrait. She said every day when he would go off to camp, he would see this. Every day when we go to church, he saw this portrait hanging. That is the seed. That's what drove him. That's what prompted him. Gang, the scripture says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. You see, there's two interpretations here. There is the interpretation of chaos. Where there is no vision, the people are in chaos. They move towards extinction. 
when they don't follow the law, when they fail to see that what they're doing is wrong, chaos breaks out. But there's a secondary implication here, and it's this. Where there is no vision, where there is no vision, they will go extinct. And I think about the importance of that phrase that you know well, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you'll nail it. You'll hit it every time. One becomes stagnant when the vision becomes impaired, limited. It becomes absent altogether. And so where there's no vision, the people perish. But where there is vision, the people prosper. Where there is vision, the people flourish. And so what is your vision? What is the vision that God has given you on a personal level? Stephen Covey, the late Stephen Covey said, begin with the end in mind. Maybe you've heard that. Begin with the end in mind. In other words, write your own funeral eulogy. Sounds kind of morbid, doesn't it? And let that be your mission statement. Work toward that. For some of us, it's not too late. I mean, uh, part of our eulogy might be something like, well, he was misbehaved most of his life, but he sure turned the corner at the last minute. That's great. (laughs) What is your mission statement? And are you beginning with the end in mind? Are you living toward what you want people to say about you at your funeral? Think about that. What's more important is this. When we go on to be with the Father, we want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. All right, and so there's a personal level vision, and then there's a corporate vision. What is our vision as a church? You know, I think churches succumb to the temptation of trying to reinvent the vision. The vision is very clear. Matthew 28, 19, I think we have that. The vision for the church is this. Therefore, and whenever you see therefore in Scripture, you need to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. You see, we're to be about only that, the transformation of lives through Jesus Christ. That's what sets us apart. That's what makes our vision different than any other vision is we look to one from above to work through us through that outpouring of the Holy Spirit to bring about transformation. Well, there are reasons why we have distorted perspectives and bad vision. One is nearsighted numbness. Uh, That's a diagnosis I came up with. And, And it's where the familiar limits, it infects our vision. And we go through the motions and we forget why we're doing what we're doing. We forget what the original mission was and vision. And, and some of us have a hard time with, with really seeing what's around us and the possibilities. It's hard for us to have a, a God-sized vision because we're only able to see what is here. 
You know, it is true that there is a difference between men and women. And one of those differences comes in our perception of the environment. I'm, I'm amazed by this. You know, a woman will walk into the room, and forgive me if I sound gender stereotypic here, but a woman will walk into the room and she'll say, you know what, those, those uh, pillows need to be fluffed over there. And, and she'll say, yeah, the, this really, we, we got to do another paint job over here. And, and that picture frame is crooked. What's a, man, what's a man do when he walks in a room? Before he sits down and turns on the TV, batteries that actually work. And is it on? All right. Yeah. All right. And so we begin to think we catastrophize. That's a good psychobabble word, by the way. That means really looking for something bad to happen, even though it may not. Some of us are cursed with that. And so we have this familiarity. We have this familiarity, numbness, this, this, uh, Fatigue sets in. We can't really see things for the way they are. Then fear comes into play, and we say, how can I have a vision for the future when I struggle with my past? And today, men and women, I believe that the Lord wants to give us a new vision or at least rediscover the one we first had. You see, the wonderful thing is that same spirit that fuels vision is with us today, just as Joel prophesied and Peter highlighted. Peter said, look, there's something special that's happening. We're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit anointing us. And Joel was right. Peter's saying, Remember, he said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. He's saying it's happening now, and it will continue to happen until Christ returns. Well, that includes us. And I really believe that the Lord wants to give us a God-sized vision for great things. Not only individually, but as a church. So many of our vision, so much of our vision is constricted and, and narrow. Some of that has to do with fear from the past. Some of it has to do with fatigue and familiarity in the present. And so I ask you this question, what would God have of you? What is, what is your vision that God has given you? And as he's given it, Allow him to expand that vision 
Maybe you've heard the story, it's been told a lot, the story about the newlywed couple and how they had a canned ham, and she was so proud, and she wanted to put that canned ham in a container, and so she cut off the end, she just, she just cut off the end, and, and her husband said, why did you do that? And she said, well, I'm not sure. She said, my mother did it. She always cut off the end. He said, is that supposed to enhance the, the taste? She said, I'm not exactly sure. So his curiosity got the best of him. He called, called his mother-in-law and said, uh, I don't want to be disrespectful, but why do you cut off the end of a, a ham when you're getting ready to cook it? She said, you know, I don't really know. She said, that's kind of strange that you would ask that. I, it's just part of a family tradition. My mother did it. Well, he called the grandmother. And he said, I know this seems a little obsessive, but i got to ask you, why do you cut the end of a ham off when you cook it? And she said, well, we were so poor. All we had was small containers. I had to cut it off. You, you see, we even get blinded. We even get blinded. We lose our vision because of some of the traditions we get caught in. And, and we wonder, well, why are we doing this? Some of us have entered this room, and you've got shattered dreams. Some of you here today thought it was all going to work out a certain way, and it didn't. You thought you were going to get to a destination, and you came up short. It, it just didn't play out. And, and you're thinking, Tim, how can I have vision when my dreams have been broken? Well, I want to say to you, God is a God that rebuilds dreams. God is a God who has the ability as the spiritual ophthalmologist, optometrist, to restore your sight. And I believe that that is the case for your marriage. Maybe your marriage has grown old and stale. You've walked by that original uh, picture of, of the wedding day and you've, you've thought, we've come so far in a bad way, and, and, and we've kind of lost that dream, and you need that dream restored. Or maybe there's a broken relationship between you and a child, your adult son or daughter, and, and that dream, well, they've not fulfilled some of your dreams, and your dreams may not have been the best ones, but you have to trust God that his dream is best for them, and, and your goal and your responsibility is to be in relationship with him and to say, we're going to get through this together. Or maybe in the economy we've lived in, some of you have had shattered dreams where you said, just at the wrong time, I built onto my business and my customers dried up. I want to say to you, God is still good. And God is still working. And he is a restorer of dreams. And I believe that he has a vision for you I believe he has a vision for all of us for great things. And I believe God has a God-sized vision for this church still. And we need to act on that vision, that vision of making faithful followers of Jesus Christ, that vision of seeing families transformed and healed, that vision of seeing poor people ministered to, the least of these. It's all part of a big vision, and I believe that God wants to restore that in special ways, and he wants to do it with you. 
Some of you may remember, some of you aren't old enough to remember, but some of you may remember in 1989, the Berlin Wall fell. Do you remember that, some of you? Okay. And uh, there was a divided Germany. There was East and West. And in East, it was held, well, religion was held captive. So was democracy. In fact, religion was shunned. And there was a Methodist church on the east side that for so long was vital and alive and filled where the government came in and made a a military outpost out of it. They said this is a strategic place for us to have artillery and officers. And so we're closing you down. Well, that broke the heart of an old man. This old man had grown up in that church he had been married in that church he had baptized his babies in that church and he longed for that to be a church again and every night he would go out and he would light a candle and he would sing hymns and he would say prayers and he would try to reclaim the vision but some would say you're a crazy dreamer The world will have to change before that will ever happen, before that structure will be a church again. Dream on, old man. Well, some would gather, and he convinced others, and he told the story, and he depicted the vision. Hundreds would gather at 9 o'clock every night, and they would sing, and they would pray, And he would rehearse for them what he saw as the vision that it would be a vital church. Now, you may remember in 1989 when the wall came down, there was joy, there was celebration, and there was 3,000 people holding candles with lights in the night, singing. Many believe that it goes back to one old man who had a vision for his church to be a church again, had a vision for his country to be free again. And many attribute the fact that that wall fell because of that one man. Now, I'm sure there were others, and it was a movement. But I want to say that if we will act on that vision, God will bless us. But like the one who had the talent and hid it, if we do not do anything, we have failed God and we failed everybody else. And so God is calling us to be visionaries. And my question for you today is, are you willing to join in the vision? Are you willing to be a crazy dreamer for God? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you had a vision, and that vision was for this world to be redeemed. And Lord, I thank you that you came in our midst, you gave your life on a cross, and you emptied a tomb. You fulfilled that vision. You have the power to make our dreams come true when they're based in you. And so let our dreams, let our visions come from you today. Restore our vision for our church restore our vision for our marriages restore our vision for our children and our relationship as parents 
Restore our vision for what you've called us to do vocationally and in our career and in our businesses and in our schools and in this community. For you are the restorator. You're the ophthalmologist, optometrist. Give us vision, Lord Jesus, this day. Amen.